Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Now it's time for us all to decide who we are. Do we fight for the right to listen to Crime Club now? Have you asked of yourself what's the price you might pay? Would you prefer your tank top in black, blue or grey? The wrongings of the world grow wronger day by day. Crime, a truly awful act. Love, a place for boys and girls. Crime, confess your sins to Jack. Love, he'll show them to the world. 4721 Archer, sir. Barrett's back and he's got a thing or two to say about journalism, proper journalism, the stuff that shines light into darkness and holds power to account, not the bullshit that comprises so much of our swampy, vermin-infested landscape today. I'm Jack Beaumont, by the way, a.k.a. Good Time Promise, a.k.a. Subnormal Activity. This is the penultimate episode of the fifth series of Crime Club. Oi! 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 It's back in Crime Club! The current state of traditional media is simply not, this becoming apparent, is not equipped or, in, or inclined to um, to be conducive to sorting out these fucking problems that you're raising. Traditional media has not been revised or reformed in any significant way since it began in London in the 17th century. It's the editor-writer model, you know, which basically started here. It's been tweaked here and there, there's new technologies, there's new formats, but the idea that journalism is best done with a couple of reporters at the most and an editor and maybe a fact-checker who then have a personal and career impetus to avoid drawing attention to any mistakes they might make, even if they find out about them, that has not been fundamentally challenged. Uh, so crowdsource research, which can be done any number of ways, and crowdsource research simply entails, you know, it can be a very amorphous system of having a bunch of people engage in research collectively, and it happens on Twitter all the time. That's something that, that's what we did with Project PM. It's the, the thing that really got the FBI's attention in the first place. That's how useful it is. That's how effective it is, uh, the fact that the FBI did feel the need to go after me in this way, uh, and all these firms felt that need because we were able to do what these outlets were not able to do, which was to consistently and over time, and in a way that was based on, you know, determining the actual facts and presenting them without having to work within the confines of a, you know, mercantile 
outlet. That, that's why we were able to determine all these things we did and present them, uh, present this huge picture of, uh, you know, both the, the larger picture of what the intelligence contracting industry is, what surveillance, what the state of surveillance at that point, the state of disinformation technology, and to document the individual companies and individual people involved. Mm. Obviously, a lot of this was, was, was made more successful by the fact that we did have hackers who were willing to hack things uh, in violation of the law and steal the emails. And but like a specific example of how the interests of traditional media are just simply not aligned with um, with exposing power is the way they're more interested in going after the whistleblowers or the people presenting them with uh, with sensitive information than they are the people that are doing the fucked up shit in the first place and breaking the law. When the, when the fucking law starts to break its own laws and the media is not interested in exposing that. If you're a crime reporter, this is a great example. You have sources in the, the police and so forth that will be your sources for years and years and years on everything. And to the extent that you are not that good at doing this research yourself, uh, you know, you depend upon them to pick up the phone when you call. You do not depend upon the defendant. He usually can't reach anyway because they're in jail. Even someone who's well-intentioned, there's already a impetus to take the side of the police, which is oftentimes their only side they get, and an impetus to go with that, to please the police side, to ensure that you're going to get further scoops or whatever down the line. Even when there's no conscious desire to support power, things are geared towards that. Club. And how does Project PM seek to overcome that? We are a process. We're a, a, a curated mob. And so Project PM works back then just the way it works today, although this is going to change when, when something called process democracy is implemented, where we have a, a better system for allowing individuals to come together and figure out the rules amongst themselves. But the way it's been in the last 10 years is you have a dictator, someone who creates it, you have a charismatic adventurer who creates it and then markets it, defends it, and recruits for it, and that's me in this case, and then recruits people he finds to be able to able to be delegated to. Uh, so you find talents, you find people who have track records. Those people are your bread and butter. You try to find them wherever you can. You bring them together into, into a space and you let them do their thing. In order to engender more people to become citizen journalists, I mean, it's going to have to be some financial incentive, isn't there, really? I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of models that should be tried in terms of providing working you know, conditions for good journalists to do good journalism. My interest has mostly been in, in the other side, the card that that's not there's no finances involved. There's no payment. There's no careerism in that sense. And uh, the fact is that it works. Um, just the same reason volunteer fire departments work. Same reason volunteer militias work. Same reason Keeps protest staff. Right? Which is not to say that there's there's anything wrong with or anything necessarily less worthwhile in having a paid model. I'm just saying that we've never had any resources to do it with. You know, number one. Number two, um, you know, we are interested, number one, in, in doing this with few resources and having, having it happen. Number two, and also, number two, in a broader sense, showing that these things can be built without resources. That, you know, that with the right you know, combination of talents and, and uh, energy and so forth, you can set up things without money without institutional backing. To the contrary, even while being targeted by the feds and have a successful operation by which to do the things that journalism are supposed to do, the things that are necessary for, 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 for to have democracy and informed consent. And so there's all kinds of different ways of doing that within that, that broad model. Our way is very haphazard. We have IRC chat rooms. We have people who go in there. Me and a few other people have the right to, to kick some people out if we feel the need to. Um, obviously, that is not a perfect model. It leads to people like Assange. It leads to people like me. It leads to having an individual who is perhaps the same personality facets that put him in addition that he's going to do that and can do it might also be negative you know it also might might put everyone at risk mm. basically an operation like this ultimately depends upon to some extent upon my common sense which is not a great model right there aside from this model of crowdsource research crowdsource journalism crowdsource activism all these things what we've been looking to build in, in what we call process democracy is a system that will make people like myself unnecessary and undesirable frankly hey.
Dragons Crime Club. I wanna know if you did that crime. Can we just list, like, bullet point all of the fucking bullshit you've had to put up with from cops in various uh, countries? We have the two years of, of attempts to discredit and disrupt me and my colleagues, as well as Anonymous as a whole, my group Project PM and so forth, Telecomics, done by the FBI and its collaborators, done by Palantir, other sort of private state extensions, firms like that, done by GCHQ, which we know about from the, from the Snowden leaks uh, that came out. GCHQ has specifically targeted Anonymous and its leadership, you know, its de facto leadership with uh, disinformation, uh, DDoS attacks, so forth, hacks, um, bragged about it in their internal documents. Those were getting leaked by Snowden later on. Uh, Metropolitan Police uh, has had a hand in a lot of this stuff, mostly on this end, it's against the British participants, but against me, they've put out some videos on their YouTube page the last couple of years, uh, in which they talked to a supposedly, supposed founder of Anonymous, a guy named Mike Jones, who's also a ex-military um, psyops practitioner by his own admission, and who discusses me at length in some of these videos in ways that are not entirely accurate. Um, you have the bomb threat thing in Dallas there. Uh, oh, yeah, you have the, yeah. the cooperation, you know, the, the, the efforts to cover it up. Um, you have the DOJ's uh, attempts to seize my legal fund uh, that was being raised from private lawyers back in these, during this prosecution. Uh, their successful attempts to identify everyone who donated to my legal fund. And they, they were sued for that later on by Kevin Gallagher, the head of my defense fund uh, in 2017 in the District of uh, Northern California. They did the same thing with the Project PM website. They they uh, sent subpoenas out to find out everyone who had written for the website, contributed to it in any way. They, and all these are all things like the charges you were actually fucking given. These are all based on either shit interpretations of the of the law or just complete fabrications. Sometimes sometimes are violations of the law. Yeah, I mean sometimes and, and they get away with a lot of that. Um, and so and on that same note, you know there was on this you had FBI agents testifying on the stand uh, to things that were demonstrably untrue. Um, and they could have been verified as untrue with 10-minute Google search. You had the DOJ sending subpoenas and so forth to all my employers when I got out, telling them that they can't pay me anything until they have decided how much money they can take out to give to Stratford, the company that uh, I was eventually uh, pled mm. guilty to. Just quickly, do you reckon that someone in your line of work, do you reckon that it helps or is indeed fucking necessary to be able to um, survive without particularly large amounts of money? That's the plan, yeah. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> I say that as someone who's yeah. never earned more than 19 grand in a year myself. So, is that a prerequisite, do you reckon? I don't know if it's a prerequisite. I mean, it's definitely advantageous, uh, but there's definitely people who, in the same kind of sector as I am, who, who do have I mean, more money, far more money than I do, uh, which is to say any uh, at this point, and uh, that it, it is helpful. But I mean, it, at the same time, it's also helpful um, not to have children mm. that they can use as leverage. I mean, you know, I mean, they, they use your mother's leverage, they use girlfriends as leverage. So yes, I mean, in general, it is best, you know, to avoid yourself of leverage. Yeah, of course. Help yourself to a cigarette, by the way. Carry on my wayward club. Kill cops. Shall we go into that? Yes, yes. Let's do it. Uh, on Saturday, there was a huge demo in uh, central London outside Buckingham Palace, I believe it was. Uh, a couple blocks down from the Admiral Nelson's fucking pillar. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a big Napoleon fan, by the way. Big what fan, sir? Napoleon fan. Yeah? Yes. Powerful little fella. He wasn't little. That's, yeah, that's British propaganda. Is he not? Um, I thought he was five foot two. Yeah, but for that, that time, that, for that time... Oh, that's, that's a fine height, isn't it, for a, for a, for a Frenchman? Fair dues. Aha. Anyway, so we had a, a demonstration and uh, she... Kill uh, the bill protest, right? Kill the bill protest, yeah. yeah. So she and a couple of her associates here uh, took me to this demonstration. I've never been to a British demonstration before. I've only been to a few in the U.S. Uh, the Black Lives Matters protests in Austin last year. Um, 
And so we went down there, and uh, her friends had a banner, a segmented banner, with two words on, on each, or one word on each uh, piece. One was kill, one was cops. Uh, they had me help uh, hold it up, so it read cops kill, and then they switched it around so that it read kill cops. So that happened. And then within about a half an hour of that, I started getting messages with memes of a photo of me with that banner based on the photos that had already been published and apparently widely disseminated. And the memes were all being created, which told me that the pictures themselves must have proliferated very quickly. And the reason they proliferated quickly is because Andy No, NGO, it's a big uh, alt-right figure in the U.S., also works, has worked in the past for Peter Thiel, head of that Palancer firm, told you about, one of the ones that went to prison over, uh, posted on Twitter a picture of that identifying me as the person holding the banner, because that's, you know, as, as we've seen, I oftentimes become the person who has actually done something that actually several people have done, for good or ill. Anyway, so those were flying around. Very quickly, a number of people... Uh, I guess on the left here in Britain, for the most part, decided that no one could have actually come to a kill the bill protest, you know, a protest named kill the bill and a cute like referencing to killing cops and like expressed some sentiments or held up a banner that other people had made expressing sentiments to the effect that cops ought to be killed. It's just impossible to, to the mindset of certain kind of people. Um, and so that being the case, that being the, the agreed-upon kind of interpretation, uh, they decided that I must have been a agent saboteur. Uh, yeah, and this was so based on um, still, oh yeah, based, still, yeah, based stills on, yeah. on videos yeah. that were taken out of context right. of you being exactly. surrounded by yeah. cops. So so because, footage, yeah. because there was loads of cops around you, exactly. people thought, oh, he's with the cops, and therefore right, right. we've got him, kind of thing. We've got a fucking provocateur. Right, and so there was a guy. neat little package floating around Twitter of, of, of several different photos, one of me holding the Kill the Bill protest, you know, banner, or, or, or Kill Cops banner. And then one of me standing next to a cop, like with my mask on. Um, and another one of me standing. And this is odd. This is odd because like there was one of me and a couple other people who were clearly not cops standing, like between the photographer and the cops, at some point. And like thus, I was behind police lines. And so the narrative that was created was that number one, that banner had had read "cops kill," and that I had torn in half to make it say "kill cops," and that I had done this perhaps in conjunction with the the female who was holding the banner as well, who they decided was also a police agent because she was wearing a ball cap that said police on it. And this is apparently in the eyes of people who don't really know what cops do. They think that that's what uh, cops who are undercover, they wear police <laughs> police caps. Yeah, it doesn't quite ring it. true in reality. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It came to light gradually that it was me. It was me, this just journalist activist guy who had done prison time in the U.S. and, you know, was now in England for some reason. That did not deter this narrative somehow because, as everyone knows, uh, when police wants to put someone undercover who will not be identified as one of them, they get someone who can be easily identified and was easily identified uh, by his enemies on Twitter. They have him hold up a banner and then they make him stand behind police lines very suspiciously. And uh, that's what they do, yeah. according to people on Twitter. So that all proliferated and you had, what's his name, uh, uh, Corbin. Corbin's uh, former communications director. Matt Zarb cousin. Yeah, uh, he, he tweeted this out as well. Like He didn't say, like, this is true. He just had a little emoji, which should be illegal frankly um like like a guy like thinking like hmm like, anyway so and then others were more were more adamant about specifics and you had one guy who, who actually lives in a north london squat and he's an activist too of israeli origin uh you had him out there posting continuously oh, Barrett brown is a, is a snitch look he snitched because he he was sentenced to prison and like and, and it went on to went on to to announce that anyone who went to the prison in the u.s should be kicked out of activism because they could have they could be a snitch which is an interesting interesting belief to have once you actually do time for what you believe in then you're not allowed back in yeah. anymore and, and yeah, random anonymous people on Twitter are actually much more credible than people who've done <laughs> yeah, people have done fucking four years and being rearrested for giving oh I forgot to mention I was rearrested for giving interviews uh, in 20, you were asking about the, the list of things that had happened I was arrested in 2017 by US Marshals without any paperwork and held for four days uh, just because you gave an interview because I gave an interview which, which they claim to be against the rules which it's not held um, for four days for doing an interview yeah it was four days until I, uh, my editor one of my editors paid $11,000 to a high-end New York law firm to threaten them and say, hey, we're about to take this to court. You haven't even like written an arrest warrant and you've got this guy in jail, so that's kind of a problem and they let me out immediately. Anyway, so there's, there's articles about that if anyone wants to see. It's my obligation to refute this, you know, so I did to some extent and said, no, that's not true and look, here's actual footage that shows I'm not sitting behind police lines. We were, police were in a circle. We were surrounding them. I was taking footage of them, blah, blah, blah. Here's the Sky News footage that shows the same thing. Maybe these still frames aren't the best source of information. And anyway. So you've kind of spent the last nearly a week now pointing out that you're not a fucking copper, basically. Well, no, actually, a couple of days ago, I posted a tweet saying, yeah, I was a cop the whole time, suckers. That was after that guy in North London had uh, had apologized and, and deleted his Twitter account. And I said, ha I got you. <laughs> uh, but I'm a cop. I'm a London cop. Proper Bobby on the beat, you, yeah, 100%. Like all formerly in prison Texans. Um, <laughs> All right, there's We're one a cop exchange program. <laughs> we got London cop in Texas. Yeah, there's a there's a British Bobby just chilling out in Texas right yep. now. I'll never find him. No, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but obviously, and we spoke about how you come from a lineage of kind of thrill seeking, thrill seeking blokes. But um, and it really is there an element of free seeking? Obviously, you hold these values really like. Yes. You're not fucking about with your values. Oh, sorry. Exactly. Yep. You're not fucking about with your values. You, you you believe in them to the point where you've done fucking four years for them. And I also believe I'm obligated to explain them. Like, so if I do anything, like, not am I obligated to take the heat, like, from the plot police. I, I do feel obligated to explain to anyone who has a problem with it, um, you know, why I do these things. The other narrative here was that this banner that these people had created and that I helped to hold up um, damaged the kill the bill movement by, you know, referencing killing bill. 
you know, or cops. Yeah. Uh, well, I, suppose, I mean, so there, I mean there, there is an argument to be made that it's not conducive to right, no, the yeah. movement when with that kind of sign. Oh, absolutely. And, and again, um, like I said, like I told, said the other day, I actually agree with them to some extent because in, in the normal strictures of things, in, when we're jostling about for moderates and centrists to try to get them on our side, you know, in this parliamentary system that we have, um, which is apparently the main strategy, you know, obviously you want to uh, make the other side look bad and anything that might turn off centrists or whatever um, should not be done. I, I understand that obviously very well, that, that notion. I disagree with it very strongly for the same reason uh, a lot of other militant anarchist activists do and other people who aren't anarchists as well. I believe that the time has long past come, long ago, to stop putting emphasis and, and focus on, on convincing the unconvinced uh, I don't think they matter that much. Uh, I do. I understand that obviously there are situations in which, you know, PR can come into play, and that can be the deciding factor. I think that when you have cops here in London uh, raping and murdering women and getting away with it, knowing that they'll get away with it, or I mean, you know, he may could be prosecuted. Who knows? Or he may he may, he may actually be you know punished for it. But when you have that situation in which they can do those things and get away with it for a while, and a situation can arise in which the protests against that and against an upcoming bill that would give the police the right to shut down protests, among other things, on the grounds that they might irritate someone, or whatever language they're using, I think the time has come to change the conversation. Change the Yeah, when they're going that far, when they're introducing that kind of legislation, the time, I, I think I'm with you when you say that the time for appeasing or trying to win over the centrist mob is no longer. Um, so I'm with, I'm with you with that and I'm one of the people who follows that geezer Matt's our cousin on Twitter I'm like oh I've gobbled all that up oh there's a copper fucking provoking shit oh yeah I'm, you know and I've kind of I bought into it but obviously I'm fortunate enough to have uh, learned the truth about, about who you are well, the thing but, is that does happen obviously that's, that should be just repeated like there, there's nothing silly at all about saying that guy might be an agent saboteur that's actually a very important part like that's an important process that has to go down you have, we have to identify you've got to look it. into it yeah. because they did do it anyway, yeah. they, do, they do do those things it just happened to be it's not the case in this particular position but yeah anyway so that's I understand and, and sympathize with those who are actually honestly concerned that this this poster thing damaged the protests um, I think if they were had been at the protests uh, I think they might have seen there were other things that could have done the exact same thing. Images of people fighting with cops. Those are the other things that were came out of the protest, um, so forth. Uh, the Metropolitan Police obviously believed that that poster was an effective tool on their side. That's why they tweeted it out as well. well of course, yes, yeah, it's, it's yeah. gravy to them as well. Yeah. yeah. Crime. Delight, but thank you so much, by the way, for talking to me because you didn't have to, and uh, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know what? Take a lump if you want. You'll have some for this evening. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go get some. Of the All right, cool. Um, just lastly, then a couple of more, perhaps light-hearted things. What's the shittest food you've had in England so far, or London? Let's see what was it? Um, Careful. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I may not be free to speak uh, about that. Um, you know what? I, you know it actually hasn't been that bad. Have you been actually... taken by any kind of weird things that you get out and about that would be odd to an American? You, you got... tried spaghetti hoops. Oh, the spaghetti hoops. Yeah, I don't think that, well, let's not go into that. That's, okay. they're, I think they're disgusting. great, spaghetti hoops. These were not. I think these may have been bad. I had well, it depends if they're branded or, uh, or owned brand, because they can be a bit, a little bit lackluster sometimes, the, uh, the owned brand ones. I mean, a number of things have struck me. I've been re- taking notes on this, because I was going to be writing a column about Britain and so forth. I mean, I've, just today, and this is the second time I've heard this, I've heard people admitting out loud that they're afraid of dogs. Like, there's a bunch of school children, like, in, we were in another town, and her dog, big dog, was walking past, and, and they said, oh, I'm afraid of big dogs. And these two guys on bicycles said the same thing, I'm afraid of dogs. In the U.S., no one would ever admit being afraid of anything, you know. So that's, that, that, that speaks well of the culture that, you know. We're more than happy to self-deprecate where, yeah, where yeah, fear of dogs is concerned. Less here, which I think is nice. Um, 
uh, that struck me as just very, very, very alien to the U.S. experience. I've never heard those words uttered before in my whole life in the U.S., and I've heard them uttered twice just in the rare times I've been walking around out here. So That is an interesting observation and perhaps reveals something about the British character. Love that, mate. I mean, I'm happy to wrap up there. Although I think maybe one more of those observations of British culture, I'd be more than happy to. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is important. Once this kind of this kind of folds in everything else we've talked about, um, I think the fact that people like Priti Patel and these these other government ministers who have like who get, keep getting caught like doing terrible things and then like don't even bother trying to explain them like in a way that's convincing, I think that speaks to my point as to that it's, it's time to stop worrying about PR. I, I think that you know, look, in the last 30 years, my country and your country together have killed probably several million Arabs um, for reasons that have never, never really been explained very well. And the fact that we're still not yet at the point where the left can accept, you know, violent rhetoric directed towards those who initiate violence, like police, uh, I think is is a problem. But the observation itself, just to reiterate, is that, you know, they do seem like in the U.S., a politician who was caught, like doing something like, well, I forgot the guy's name who drove to the castle to check his eyesight. Cummings, yeah. Don't yep. Cummings, yeah. You know, that's something that it would have been handled, like, even a, a Republican in a safe district would have felt the need to come up with something less ridiculous than that. Pretty Patel, someone like Pretty Patel's position, who was like, oh, you're being accused of bullying, you know, would not have started her apology video with a sneer. Like, that most people never put on in their whole life. Most people don't make that facial expression ever in their entire lives, much less an apology video. And so I think that things are a little bit more shaky here. I think a little bit more, just based on what I've seen and heard from people, I think the fact that they just don't even bother. Big up Barrett Brown. He's an interesting fella and makes a convincing argument. I hope he found his trilogy as interesting as I did. We recorded about a year ago, as you may have noticed, given the dates of the events mentioned. That's how long it's taken me to get this series out. It's mental, really, how long it's took. I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to take a bit of time here to explain myself. Basically, starting Crime Club wasn't even my idea. I was doing bits and bobs on radio, taking the piss out of reality TV and stuff, which I got into because a mate was producing radio shows. Cornelius Mendes, big up yourself. So, I was on radio a couple of times a week, then Cornelius suggested I pitch an idea for a podcast to some comedy dudes. I didn't have any ideas, but I said, well, I know a lot of wrong-uns. Con was into it, so I wrote a couple hundred words outlining the idea and a couple of potential episodes, which he passed on to Great Big Al, R.I.P. They said, yes, we'll take it. Crime Club was born. Why am I telling you this boring shite? Mainly as an excuse for my lazy levels of output. It wasn't my idea to start a podcast. When the chips are down and I haven't recorded anyone for three months. It's hard to get my arse in gear. I'm not a hard-working person. There isn't much money in this game, and it weren't even really my fucking idea. But I do love it, and I've still got a long list of people to record. The show will go on. I'm not going to stop anytime soon. It just takes time, and the aching gaps between each series probably stifle any momentum in terms of publicity, which means I'm not likely to ever even get the opportunity to sell out, which is a shame, but quite possibly a blessing. If you think I'm a twat now... Imagine what I'd be like with a £50 haircut and a car. Sorry for being dull. Sometimes it feels nice to talk frankly about your own shortcomings. It makes the long comings all the sexier. Last episode of the series is next week. It's Pirate of the West featuring Dodgy Day Volume 3. Hit the link in the description, then treat yourself to some pingers. And I think it's gonna be a fucked up club. Wrong and telling tales of so much stuff. It's not the kind of club they have at home. Oh, no, no, no. It's a crime club Crime club, crime club With the wrong and some fucked up tales Crime club, crime club With the wrong and some fucked up tales
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.